Hey everybody, welcome to a new Pretender to Contender podcast. How are you? Welcome back. We got a new one this week, and I'm even interviewing somebody. We have very funny, funny, funny female comedian Natalie Cuomo, who's a great candidate for Pretender to Contender of the Year. <laughs> she is doing really, really, really well. Check her out all over social media at Natalie Cuomo underscore no relation no relation natalie cuomo instagram tiktok twitter kicking ass and she's on my show today also if you want to advertise on the podcast all you have to do is hit me up hit me up mattery67 at gmail.com all right and as you know the voicemail for the show you can call in every week if you got a question or you want to just uh you know talk on topic of what the podcast has been about or just ask a general question you can 951-298-9899 let's start the show we got a little little new intro music by uh brian christopher brian christopher guitar here we go let's start it Welcome to another Pretender to Contender. Doing a little video this week. Little video. What's up, video people? You know? I'm gonna throw some stuff on YouTube, and uh, maybe I'll even throw this whole episode up. Go to my YouTube page. Follow me on there. Alright? Alright? Alright. Brian Christopher, jamming it out. What do you like? What do you think? What do you like it? You like the intro? Give you a little more volume. like it all right guys let's do a little slow fade here all right there it is so yes so yes welcome welcome to the show everybody so we got a couple of things i want to talk about at the top here just from my life if you want to hear about it uh it's a crazy week crazy week uh as i look at my notes uh, the one thing i wanted to talk about is uh the many saints of newark which i shit on a few weeks ago i cannot remember which podcast number that was do you guys remember it i don't remember it uh but i shit on it i only got 20 minutes into it and I had to shut it off, and everybody was like, how can you critique something? You only watch 20 minutes, blah, 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 blah. And I said, it just it just sucked. So I shut it off. I didn't, like, shut it off and then critique it, like, and shut it off for no reason. I, I shut it off because I fucking hated it. So I felt bad. I wanted to go check it out. I tried to watch it again, everybody, and I shut it off again. You know what I realized? You know what I realized it was? The acting. 
sucks. It's just, it's just got tons of bad acting on it. And you realize why The Sopranos was so good. James Gandolfini, Edie Falco, Michael Imperioli, just such good actors. They bring you in. There were so many other great actors that they mixed into that show, you know? And it's such bad acting in this fucking movie that I had to shut it off. And I just wanted to say that at the top. Um, sorry. Maybe it'll give, I'll give it a third try. I just don't know if I can. I don't know if I can give that fucking movie a third try. Everybody out there that's like, oh, it's okay. Do you have no taste? Do you Can you not tell bad acting? I mean, I guess some people don't notice it. That's what's crazy. I mean, everybody has their own opinion. And, and they're not bothered by things. Like, I'm trying to think of bad acting that I've seen in my lifetime. And then other people were like, no, I, I thought it was good. And you're like, it was the worst acting. Let's think of some, uh, some maybe um, some characters in the past that I've just been like, I, I can't fucking watch this because of the, the actor. Oh, God, I can't even think of it. <laughs> I really can't think of any, you know, because the uh, only thing that comes up in my head is is good acting and things that I've liked, you know. I mean, I guess some of De Niro's latest shit, the la you know, not the uh, not the Irishman. He was great in that. But some of those bad movies he did and you just see bad acting. It's weird to see bad acting from someone great. You're like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, this guy's usually a great actor. Why is he sucking right here? What, what are you doing? You know, it's like when you see De Niro uh, do an award show and he has to go up and just talk and he's like bad at it. And you're like, what the fuck? It's De Niro. Why are you bad at talking right now? Isn't acting talking? I, I, I'm confused. So that that's what it was. Uh Ray Liotta was the, the, his acting is like uh, he's one of my favorites. I've I've seen Ray Liotta just be so fucking good before. Even his laughing and he's like, <laughs> you're like what what the fuck? That's not the laugh. That's not the laugh from Goodfellas. The laugh in Goodfellas was good. What was that? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't understand. But I guess when you have bad writing, maybe. Bad directing? I don't know what the hell was going on in that movie. But what a miss. What a miss. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The other thing I want to talk about at the top here, before we get to our guest, Natalie Cuomo, who was kind enough to do a Zoom interview with me as uh, we're putting this up uh, in video form. She, uh, she did it from her house. I'm at my house. Whatever. We did it. We did it. We did it via Zoom. The other thing I wanted to talk about was last week I had something classic happen to me. I uh, I hadn't taken my meds, my antidepressants, my Celexa, my 20 milligrams of Celexa. I hadn't taken it for like two days because I ran out. And then I called the psychiatrist to fill the prescription. And she's like, well, you need to come in for an appointment because I can't prescribe it. It's been three months since your last appointment. Like that's how they get you. You got to keep going to the doctor for an appointment, or she won't. She won't prescribe your medicine. It's kind of weird, right? You're like, it's the same shit. It, this is my brain. This is what's wrong with me. Uh, it's all the same. Nothing got better. Uh, you know. So 
just put me on it forever and let's go. Like, what? Every three months, I got to do an interview with you. We got to talk, but that's just the way it works. So I went like, so she finally called in the prescription, but I, I think I went two and a half to three days without taking it. I'm like, is that all it takes for my anger to sneak back out? So I'm doing a show. I did uh, Saturday night at Jackie B's with Judy Gold, the hilarious Judy Gold. And her and I were talking uh, in the green room before the show started. And she was telling me all about her book that's called Yes, I Can Say That. And we're talking all about comedians and Chappelle's last special and how comedians, you know, we're just trying to make people laugh. We're not trying to push buttons. We're not trying to annoy people. It's just comedy. Would you just chill out, everybody? And we're having a conversation about it. And she's being her attitude self because that's what's funny about her. She's like a female Larry David. When she bitches, it's just fun. It's just funny. She's just complaining and I'm laughing. And then I go do my set. Then I bring her up and I go into the bar to get a beer, which is outside. The, the, the show's outside under this arched tent that goes all the way down to the ground. And it's got a curtain on each side, but it's outdoors. So I go into the bar to get a beer, which is inside. And this guy just looks at me. He's giving me a nasty look. And he goes, what's your problem with Rye Beach? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, what's your problem with Rye Beach? And then I realized I had did a joke about Rye Beach in my act just now. And this fucking guy, because they had too many people there Saturday night, so they had to open up the back curtain to put people on the sidewalk sitting at table so they could extend it and have more people watching, right? And this guy must have walked by. He never bought a ticket. He wasn't in the audience. He walked by, heard one joke, and then went back into the bar. And and I did a joke about uh, Israel and how amazing the beach was in Tel Aviv and how I've uh, and I do this sarcastic line in the joke where I go uh and I've been to a lot of great beaches in my life, like uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, <laughs> you know, which is a shitty beach. And I go, uh, and uh, Rye Playland Beach, which is uh, is here in Westchester and close to where I used to live, which is Portchester. And it's it's called the Rye Playland Beach, and it, it's shitty. It's this little tiny shitty beach that just has fucking trash all over it. And this guy is pissed about that I said that on stage, even though he didn't watch my show. And I guess because I was talking to Judy Gold all about that shit, I just went right at him. And I, I couldn't tell if it was because the, you know, was the Selexa out of my head this fast that I have, I have no filter anymore. I just went right to, dude, I look right at him. I go, dude, are you getting pissed about your beach? How much have you drank today? Like I'm on stage. There's like 30 people at the bar watching. And I was just on stage in the comedy part of their venue. So I feel like I'm still on stage. How much have you drank that you're getting pissed about the beach near where you grew up? Who does that? I go, dude, you could make fun of everything about me. I would never get mad. You could make fun of me being a whatever, my nationality, 
every beach that I ever grew up in, the street I grew up in. I don't care. And he's like, fuck dare you make fun of my beach. <laughs> and uh, I go, what do you got a problem with Porchester too? And he goes, I grew up in Porchester. I go, well, and then more honesty came out of me. I go, Porchester shitty too, dude. I lived there for six years. It was so shitty. I had to move because I wanted my kids to go to a normal school and the school system there blows because it's shitty. And he was like fucking boiling. And he was like started to like come at me like he wanted to fight me. And he was old. The guy was in like his 70s. I go, dude, you're way older than me, dude. Do you really want to do this? I go, and you're wasted. Do you really think that would be a good move for you right now? And then he kind of was like frozen. He couldn't believe how much I just shit on him right in his face when he told me he had a problem with these things. And his wife was like telling him to calm down. And then I just looked at him. And just enough Selexa was in my brain that I went, I'm not fighting you, dude. I'm just going outside. All right? See ya. And I just left. And then I stayed outside until that guy was gone. I did want another beer, you know. I had to get another beer eventually. <laughs> and the fucking guy left. And then I felt bad like I usually do. And I text the because one of the owners of the place was inside there when I did this. And I text him. I go, I'm really sorry. I go, but that guy was so out of line. What a jerk. Who is he? And uh, God, it just it, it reminds me of doing comedy clubs. There's always a guy. You can't do comedy in a club now where there isn't some fucking woman or guy who's drunk who takes something the wrong way. It's like, what the fuck? Shut up. So I'm curious what you guys think. I would have loved to hear your response on what I'm talking about because I just laid him out. And Ron Poliquin last week said I was too hard on my friend who thought Dave Chappelle was overrated and how I said that's probably why I'm not Super great friends with this guy. He's just an acquaintance because he's got tainted views. Uh, so I'm curious. If you guys want to ever leave a voicemail, call 951-298-9899. Let me know. But uh felt good to get angry. <laughs> my brother told my brother the story. He's like, you should just go off the meds, dude. You're fucking hilarious when you get like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking the worst husband ever. I've been being a shithead to my wife. I could just feel it. Like she'd send me, she sent me a text like yesterday of some like Indian guy's picture. Let's see if I can show you this on camera. It's on my phone. She texted it to me. Let's see if I can find it. She texts me this. See this fucking guy? His name. It's so hard to hold your phone straight with a it's called, His name's Nadim Awad and Friends, this comedy show he's doing down in Florida. And my wife sends me a text saying, Do you know this guy? <laughs> right? I don't know if you can see in the picture. The guy's got a man bun, right? He's got a man bun. 
you can't see it. Yeah, he's got like this perfectly trimmed beard and a man bun. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, I got sarcastic in my texting back to her. I go, yeah, 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 him and I, you know I hang out with Nadima Wad. I'm always talking about Nadima Wad. She's like, what's your fucking problem? You're being a jerk. I go, I'm just trying to be funny. And she's saying this in the text back and forth. She's like, well, it's not funny. And I see why you get arguments via text. Because I do. I piss people off in text sometimes when I'm not even trying to be mean. Because of texting. But uh, fucking the D. Here's a here's a tighter picture of the guy. So I I zoomed in on her, zoomed in on it, and I sent her this. My wife, I go, you mean him? You mean him? My good friends with him? <laughs> it looks like a guy's picture that would be up on a wall in like an Indian barber shop, like where you can pick where you want to look your hair to look like. You're like, I'd like to look like a a Wad, the guy with the man bun. Now he's going to want to kick my ass. See, he's going to hear this podcast and he's going to want to kick my ass, my, kick my ass. Nadim, I'm on Selexa, but I t- didn't take it for a few days and uh, I have no problem with you. All right. But it was just funny. You can <laughs> know how to say it, but I we probably wouldn't be friends. Maybe I'm way wrong. You're probably the greatest fucking guy ever. and We'd be, we'd be buddies forever. I was just being a dick. To my wife, I don't know. Two days without the meds. But I'm I'm back on them now. Does it take a few more days to get in? I don't fucking know. That's enough about me at the top of this podcast. I want to come back. I want to come back with uh with our guest. With our guest, Natalie. Natalie Cuomo. She's got a lot to talk about. And uh, I'm really interested to pick her brain all about how she's killing it on social media. We'll be right back with the very funny comedian, Natalie Cuomo. Can we hear the music? Yeah, there it is. You like that, don't you? Brian Christopher. Look him up. He's got a website, brianchristopher.com. Look him up. We'll be right back. Yes. You're probably the Zoom Pro. The Zoom Pro? Yeah. (laughs) Why? What do you mean? I feel like you have a schedule of three podcasts a day. Oh, I don't no? have my thing hooked up right now. You what? Oh, this isn't Zoom. Well, I guess it's Zoom. This is Zoom. You, your, I mean, your, your situation looks awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I threw it together. <laughs> threw it together today because I had in, uh, I had in video to podcast in a while. You're the first um, video podcast again I, I did it for a while and then I just kind of went straight audio okay and uh you know I'm, I'm sure uh I'll get some advice from you in the uh in the interview um but we're, we're basically started right now it's already started we're, we're not live but we're recording it and uh, it'll be audio and it'll video and uh pretty pretty straightforward the awesome. the, t- the titles pretender to contender 
and uh, I I follow you. I fo- I didn't know you were on TikTok till yesterday. I followed you on Instagram mostly. It seems like that's where uh, that's your biggest following out of all the social media, right? Yeah, definitely Instagram. And how long you been on Instagram? A long time since I was like in college, I guess. And you're how old now? Can you say that? I'm 26. But I mean, I've had an Instagram like a, it's been my personal account since like 2012. Okay. Because I did a show in Jersey City with you that I think, and I don't know if you still live there. Mm-hmm. I think you live there. You were you lived close by, and I don't. And I'd say that was about two years, two and a half years ago. Yeah, I definitely didn't have a following on Instagram until uh, maybe the last year. Yeah, I was going to say that um, that's kind of why I thought pretender to contender, because I was like, wow, because, I, 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 you know, I have a little bit of the business side as you have a huge side of it. And uh, I would have noticed I would have been like, hey, <laughs> let's get some people in here. Uh, I'll give you a cut of the door. You know, I'm not one of those. <laughs> I, I've never been one of those comedians that's like uh, bothering the other comedian to to promote, to help people come to the show and not pay them for doing that right um i'm sure because that's another thing i noticed you get you get a lot of gigs when you have a when you have a big social media following also because of course it's a numbers game right right so i see you're you're like touring with a few different people now who who is that uh, yeah, I've been going out with my boyfriend, Lewis, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, I've been doing some shows with Jessica Curson. That's been awesome. Right. And do so, these, yeah. And do they do they do they bug you? They're like, hey, you got to You got to promote this. <laughs> how, does, <laughs> how do they go about getting you nicely to mention? Um, it's not really, it's actually more the clubs than the comics, actually. Oh, the clubs are all over you. Mm hmm. Does that like go into a deal? Like how how many times they ex- how many like uh, posts they expect if they book you? No, but you just feel like oh okay if I push this show then they're more likely to work with me more. Right. Yeah. I can remember back in my uh, as I would say hot years as a comedian. I don't know <laughs> that your uh, your manager would sometimes say stuff like. No, no, no. Uh, really promote it and 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 kick ass, and they're gonna um they'll they'll book you again for the more money. And I can remember as a young comic, I would let them do that, and then sometimes there there wasn't an again because the club would go out of business or something would happen. And I used to think, why in the comedy business do we help their business once? for almost free in hopes to get something good again like if we help you once why shouldn't we get paid that first time do you ever have that happen well you don't make money in comedy that's why right you got to accept that (laughs) yes it's it's thankless and pathetic (laughs) now even even with your your work ethic as some people might not know you that are listening or watching my podcast. I mean, um, how many shows? It seems like you're doing at, you're doing like at least five nights a week of stand up. Yeah, I try to get up as much as I can for sure. Right, but you don't even worry about the money. You're just like, I'm going to get on stage, and then blah 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 blah, and then you know, I do. You, it, it, do you have like some mindset that's like, okay, 
it's a Saturday night. I need to make this much money or you're just going, fuck it. I'm thinking way long term. Well, I think the traditional stand up uh, pers- perspective or whatever mm-hmm. to, would be to like hustle, just think long term, get as much stage time as possible. But, you know, that does like wear on you to just like get up as much as you can and then like empty your pockets at the end of the night and be like, I lost money because of tolls or like and gas. Right. So I feel like it, you kind of have to find a balance between making sure you are staying afloat financially and getting paid what you deserve and also getting the stage time you need to work on your craft. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and you're, you seem to be doing everything correctly. So I'd like to like maybe go, go back a little in your in your life and see if we can figure out <laughs> if there was something when you were younger that made you kind of very good um, at, at the business side of comedy that is so important in 2021. Whereas I started stand up in 89 and I even have comedian friends now that will say stuff like, dude, I got into comedy because I wanted to sleep late and just go to clubs. And like that mindset, it almost doesn't exist in the younger comedy world right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely definitely a different way of, of uh, a different path to success than there was before social media and all that stuff. Right. Now... What do your parents do? Do you is is any of this uh, work ethic? I mean, are you, I'm going to guess you get up early and you get going on your career every day. It seems like that's what comedians you don't see them sleeping late anymore. Like maybe some of them are if they're doing spots till two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, I definitely get up early. I I don't know. I think it's just like that. Uh, that full focus on, on your career. I think when I like, uh, stopped, uh, like I used to manage a coffee shop and like when I stepped away from that and was like, all right, I'm going to see what it's like to try and make all my money from stand up, Then I was kind of forced to focus on it all the time because I didn't have a safety net, you know? Okay. So that kind of connects a little run, you know, running a, any, it's so weird how you never used to realize that when we were younger, coming up as comedians that it really is like owning a restaurant or running any kind of business that you can do it the same way. So did you work your way up at that place and become the manager? (laughs) And was there some boss there that was giving you uh, hints and teaching you how to be business smart? No, I think I'm kind of competitive and I'm just sort of like, whatever I'm doing, I want to be the best at whatever it is. Like, if I have tattoos, I want to have more tattoos than anyone I know. Like if I'm doing comedy, I want to be successful at it. If I'm working at a coffee shop, I want to fucking own the entire enterprise. Sure. So, so what do your parents do as you, you shit on your parents a lot in your act. So I'm curious. I don't know like the details. Um, Let's see if there's the dysfunction there that all comedians have. I'm sure that's there, but there must be a mixture of, positivity or somebody mentored you along the way no I love my parents I just uh my mom is uh she was a landscape architect and my dad was an English teacher they're both retired okay but um I I definitely grew up with the the normal dysfunction of a of a comedian sure yeah are you one of 
more? Do you have brothers and sisters? No. No. So it's just you. Yeah. And and they retired. I mean, they, you're you're only uh, well, you said 26, so they can't be that old. Your parents. Well, they're 69. 69. Okay, so they had you late. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're their only kid. None of them were married before with other kids. You don't have half steps or anything like that. I have I have uh, three step brothers, but oh, okay. my dad married. Uh, they're they're very recent, so I didn't grow up with them. Oh, okay. So, what were you focused on in school? Like you went to some sort of performing arts high school? No, I went to I went to like a. It was not a performing arts high school, but it was a weird high school because I don't know if you're familiar with like New York City public schools, but you take these weird tests and go mm-hmm. to like, I don't know. So I went to some weird school where there you took weird classes and like sat in a circle. Okay, a yeah, game. I hear I a know. lot about that. Where, where was the school? It was in Long Island City. Okay. I had yeah. an intern once that went to a school like that in Dobbs Ferry, and it's, it, it sounded really cool for someone that might struggle in school. They would do way better in that small situation where everybody's right. sitting around helping each other. Right. So was there a, you know, maybe that high school kind of rounded you in that way that taught you how to um, work hard and work together? Or I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you have a team? Do you have managers and agents yet? Or are you doing this all on your own right now? No, I have no manager. I have no agent. And they're not all over you right now? No, I would love one, though. <laughs> really? That's amazing. It's funny. I, maybe I have an eye. I've always thought that, like, I never understood managers. I'm like, are these guys idiots? Because, like, if I was a manager, like, you would be somebody that I would approach, you know, like someone who's doing the business end, who's got the worth that ethic, who's funny, you know, and it's like, yeah. not one manager in this New York City has come up to you yet. I don't um, think I, an agency did reach out to me, mm-hmm. and but um, I feel like they were kind of just like, an agency and a manager, a manager a few years ago and more recently, like an agency, but they kind of just like wanted to see my set. And then they were like, okay, it wasn't. <laughs> That's because managers, and it's always been this way. I don't think they have a vision. So if you're someone that doesn't have, if your story's not like coming right at them immediately that they see that this is an easy moneymaker for them, they don't, they don't get it right away. And I mean, I don't know, Lewis, who's your boyfriend has been around forever. So he probably has good advice in that category. He's probably, if I had to guess, he's like, you don't need a manager. You're, you're better at doing your shit for yourself than these guys are. I think his advice, yeah, his advice was, well, I originally got very excited um, mm-hmm. when they reached out to me. And his advice was kind of like, this is not the first time that someone's going to reach out to you. It's not the, I mean, and it's not the last time. So right. it's like, you can't take all of these um, uh, like things so seriously mm-hmm. when things present themselves like this. And also just like every no is going to bring you closer to a yes and stuff like that. But 
can I ask this? Because I get curious about the business now because it's so disconnected and people aren't talking face to face anymore. We're, we're even doing podcasts from a s- separate places right now. So mm-hmm. does it even exist? Does this manager come up to you in person and say, I'm interested in, in working with you? Or is this like some guy saw your social media presence and then just shot you an IM or an, or an email or something? Yeah, it's a it would be an email. Right. I mean, that makes sense if the guy's on the West Coast, but like, does it, it, was he a New Yorker or a California or a female? I mean, was it West Coast or East Coast? Um, East Coast. East Coast. But, you know, time is money. It's like. Yeah, they don't want to mess around. It's, it's a numbers game. So, I mean, as your social media numbers will keep, keep going up and up and up, I'm sure they will keep coming after you. But, I mean, um, it is interesting. I do feel like I have a, I have a good fan base. I have people that like come out to see me. Like mm-hmm. when I was in Texas, these guys drove like three hours, got a hotel room to like come to one of my shows. It was crazy. Like meant a lot to me. They're like, I have, I feel like I'm a marketable person. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know why I don't have representation, <laughs> but Maybe, hopefully but- soon. <laughs> Well, you're 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 on the newer side. I mean, it's not like you've been doing comedy for 15 years. You're you're on the newer side. Yeah. And um, your stand up's going to get better and better and better. And you're at that growing point. Um, so 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 back to high school. So so you're in this semi weird high school, and and then uh, what what starts happening? When do you start? going towards a show business type thing? Um, I well, actually started. So when I was in kindergarten, I was afraid of the auditorium. So my mom put me in an acting class and I was like obsessed with acting since I was like a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I was like a musical theater kid. Okay. So you've been doing this since you were young. Mm-hmm. And um, so you you bail from the from the acting part and decide let's let's try stand up how how does that happen um and at what age yeah i guess maybe 4 years ago i was like i'm going to go to an open mic i guess mm-hmm. It's something that you think about when you're like doing acting yeah especially like, in new yeah. york it's all over yeah. the place Right. So do um, I'm trying to think with the question I was just about to ask, were you going on auditions and stuff as a kid? Were you one of those kind of people? No, it was just musical theater and connected to the school. No, I, I went to like Strasburg and Stella Adler when I was like in middle school and high school and I would just take classes and like go see plays. It wasn't like I was pursuing it professionally. I was just like very passionate about it. Really? That's amazing that you weren't like saying, Hey, let's go on some commercial auditions or let's audition for Broadway or whatever. I mean, can you, are you a singer? When I was a kid, I like took voice lessons and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think my parents really didn't want me to be part of the industry when I was younger. Right. And when you're a kid, you don't have that. Okay. From your parents, there's really nothing you can do other than just, you know, Right. So, so, so it sounds like you start doing stand, you're going, where do you go to college? I went to Bard College upstate. Okay. And that, and did you do an open mic up there or it started after college? After college. After college. You're like, Joe, I told you that. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. So, uh, so, I mean, I mean, I think the, the, the part I really am interested in, especially for my podcast is the pretender to contender, because what do you feel is, is the key to turning it around and, and having that success that you have? I mean, what did you, did you do something differently this last year before you know that you weren't doing at the beginning that was changing things um i guess it's a couple things i think um a big thing for me was like finding my niche finding like my people i guess mm -hmm. like not everyone's gonna like you so you kind of just have to like find your people, your community and like finding like the biker tattoo community and, and, you know, everyone likes comedy. So it's not like just trying to appeal to everyone right. is very difficult. Like try right. to appeal to a community. And I think that's really helpful. Well, it's interesting. Cause like, you have lots of tattoos, right. And you're like this kind of like a, like a sex symbol of comedy, you know, a little bit. And you you're, you don't hide it, whereas you would see a lot of girls in comedy. I've been saying that for years. I'm like, why are these girls trying to look unattractive on stage? Why are they wearing baggy clothes? Why can't they be attractive? You know, like, and because they were afraid guys would look at them a certain way and they wouldn't listen to their their comedy material. And I used to say stuff like, uh, and they're not stand-ups, but like a, like a Mary Tyler Moore was someone who was funny on television, and she was pretty and like ladylike. You know, it was like you didn't you didn't. There's only like one comedian that I can think of in all my years of comedy that was really like going for that super ladylike thing, which is like, um, <laughs> and I'm forgetting her name. She used to. Oh, geez, I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to edit this in Google. I can't not know this. Uh, Rita Rudner. Rita Rudner. Yeah, that was her name. She was like, she was trying to be the attractive, you know, like she wasn't being the nerdy mom. You know, she was put together, you know, and and you don't see that as much. And maybe the reason is, is negatives are easier to make funny than positives, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely because you get a lot of shit when you embrace um, anything positive about yourself. Right. People hate beautiful women. I mean, they literally, I mean, murder shows are about pretty white girls being killed. That's everyone's favorite thing to watch. No one wants really? to like. I didn't realize that. <laughs> well, I mean, what are like you talking about? Watch pretty women get killed. Did not know that. Okay. Yeah. What? I, I mean. I should any, know that, but I didn't realize that. I feel that. like any like murder documentaries about that, any like bingeable Netflix murder show. Mm -hmm. They don't want to like watch them be funny. Right. <laughs> well, it's 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 similar. Like I have a friend who's been doing stand up for like 10 years and he's retired in his 40s. He's a multimillionaire from working at Facebook and Yahoo when they were startup companies. And I told him early on, I go, man, comedians are going to hate you because you're so rich. I said, you would get more fans being HIV positive than being rich. And um, 
it's like I so I see what you're saying. So you had to figure out a way to cross over from that. I mean, did you used to hide your tattoos or did you have a lot less when you started stand up and when you wear like clothes covering all your tattoos? No, I mean, I also feel like a big part of it is just like being a business person. I don't think people realize that like I talk to my dad about this a lot because he's like a writer and Mm -hmm. he tries to get some of his stuff published. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. he's really good at writing, but I'm like, dad, it's just as important to be your own manager and to be on the business side of things. And I think a lot of comics, a lot of artists don't understand that. Yes, it's important to work on your craft, but it's literally just as important to put learn how to put yourself out there and you know i feel like that's well it's it's a skill that maybe more young people have now i mean i'm way older than you so you know i feel like i just started to realize kind of who i am but i always was disconnected from from knowing that i used to be very unsure of it and i think maybe now when young people come up in social media where everybody is doing selfies and they they realize when they're really themselves in the video they get a lot more response right like do you remember a first post that you made that you were like oh my god like this is what they like Hmm. like a certain joke you posted or maybe just i mean you post a lot of just pictures you know like it, it looks like you have a professional photographer working with you Unless you're amazing at taking pictures. I'm good at taking pictures. Oh, you are. <laughs> That's another thing. That <laughs> When you're 26, you're like, I haven't taken my own picture for years. I'm amazing at it. I think, hmm, I mean, TikTok has been interesting because I really like TikTok a lot. I think um, that platform, at first I was really resistant to it, but... Uh, I like the platform, the format of just like talking to the camera and those selfies. I think that intimacy is what people really like about social media. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people really like about podcasters. I think that's, you know, and I think that's what that platform allows for. And that's what Instagram's trying to take and bring to like Instagram reels kind of. Mm -hmm. So I think there was definitely a moment where I realized what kind of TikTok videos I want to make. I, there was a while I was trying to make like makeup tutorial makeup videos and I was like this isn't working and then I just started talking and I was like oh okay I'm just gonna be myself so I guess that's maybe an instance right and no one no one had to tell you that you noticed it on your on your own no one was like hey Natalie stop doing that like my wife, for sure. my wife used to get all over me like she's like she's nine years younger but she's still someone that's like she would get pissed if you were turning on your camera and like doing a selfie or, you know, trying to put our kids into something that I was going to put on my social media. And it's like, I used to say to her, I'm like, you know, every comedian is doing this now. It's like they, you, we have to show, I have to show who I am. And I think, I think I heard Sein, Jerry Seinfeld in an interview say, if you're married or you're in a relationship with a comedian, you have to realize you're on the team, even though you don't want to be like, yeah. That's what it is. And How old are you? I'm 54. Oh, okay. So, like, that's a common 
common thing I get from people who watch or my stand up or, or watch anything I do on social media. We want more of your wife on there. She, it's so interesting. It's like they it's like we're in a world now where everybody's life is like a documentary that we can watch, you know, so it's Everyone like wants it, to be like a voyeur, essentially. Yeah. And if something bad happens, that's when it's even better. And it used to be the same way with stand up. You got in a big argument with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and something really horrific happened and it could be turned into stand up in two seconds. You know, it's the same with it's easy to turn that that camera on and go, oh, my fuck. Like you got it, you can't recreate it three days later. It's got to be like like I almost got in a fight with a guy Saturday night at my show. And I was like, I, I should record the beginning of because it's going to be at the top of this podcast. I'm going to tell a little bit of the, the story, how I got mad and a guy wasn't even in the audience. And he was offended by one of my jokes because he walked by and heard it. And what then was the joke? I do a joke about oh, this will be classic to you and and I'll have heard it at the beginning of this podcast but it's a joke about my trip to Israel and how I was and how uh people think you should be scared to go there and how I was like finally relaxed I'm sitting on the beach just taking it all in like wow the sands like powder the water the mediterranean so still this is incredible I'm so relaxed and I go I've been in a lot. I've been on a lot of really nice beaches in my life, and I go like uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, which is like a really shitty beach where I grew up. And I go uh, Rye Playland Beach, which is like five minutes from where I was doing stand up, and it's a really shitty beach. It's just gross, you know. And this, I went to the bar to get a beer after my set, and there was some guy in there, and he just goes, "You got a problem with Rye Beach?" <laughs> and I go. Thought he was kidding. I go. Isn't Rye a really nice neighborhood? Yeah, it's a really, really, really nice neighborhood. But this guy wasn't from Rye. He was at the next town, which is Porchester, which I also lived in, and is also has not a very good school system. It's one of these towns that's really cool looking, but just you can't like raise a family because the schools are bad, and a lot of people don't live there. They'll just go there because they have great restaurants. They have this amazing theater. They've really really made the town really nice but it still just has this shitty school system so people will live in the towns around it and i don't know what it was i was in a rare mood where i i, I think it was because i was working with judy gold who's very honest on stage and gets away with it right she's like a larry mm -hmm. david like when she bitches it's hilarious mm -hmm. and we were having a conversation and I was in that zone and she had written a book called Yes, I Can Say That. That was all about how comedians are just we're trying to be make you laugh. We're not trying to push buttons up here, you know. So uh, I walk and when he said that, I go, dude, are you defending your beach? I go, how much have you drank tonight that you're mad about your beach? I was acting like I was on stage because uh -huh. there was 30 people at the bar all around it. Yeah. So they're all looking at me like, what the fuck is happening? Oh my God. And I just went off on the guy and he goes, I'm from Porchester. And I go, I live there, dude. It's not, that's not nice either. It's a shitty oh place. God. I just started telling him because he got under my skin and then he was coming at, he started to come at me and I never, I never get in physical altercations. I get in verbal ones sometimes in my life. He started to come at me and I go, I think you're 30 years older than me, sir. I go, do you really think that would be a good idea for you to do? And you're wasted. 
And then he just kind of stopped. And I go, I'm going to leave. But chill out, dude. And I just left and went back to the club. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. But that was one of those moments where I was like, if there's a camera, if there was a camera right now filming that whole thing, it's, am- it's amazing. And that's what social media, I think, is. It's like, how do we capture want real our moments. true selves? Well, it's kind of like, why would I watch TV if I could just watch something real? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. So how how do you go about getting something real for social media? I mean, because like I've watched some of your stuff on TikTok, which is you telling one of your stand-up jokes into the camera, right? Mm-hmm. And do you feel that you're more... I find that I'm more real when I'm on stage in front of a crowd telling a joke than me just looking into my camera and trying to tell the joke. It's not, it's not, it loses the funny for me. Hmm. It depends. I feel like it really depends on like what mind space I'm in. Like sometimes something will happen and I feel like I'll be like organically telling it into my phone, but sometimes I'll just be like, Oh, I need to make a video and it'll be, I won't be able to feed off the energy of a crowd. So it'll be more difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd rather be in front of a crowd, but. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah. and then I also like you used to do a lot of posts connected to some sort of magazine. And I remember going, is she part owner of this magazine? How is she connected? With, is she product placement on this magazine? And how man, this girl seems to be so entrepreneurial. What was your connection with that? So yeah, I am a crazy person. I created this magazine. It, it was so fucking cool. It was awesome. It's called Classy Trashy Magazine. And my ex and I, we made this magazine. And uh, it was a motorcycle magazine and some comedy in it, tattoos. It was just like all the stuff that we liked. We had three issues of it. We interviewed people. We had some photography. Like it was fucking cool. So we made merch. We had shirts. We had like designs, stickers, and uh, we had a podcast. It was cool. And uh, I did all the. I kind of treated it as like a full time job in the pandemic. It had like twenty thousand followers. The account, and um, it was kind of supposed to be like a modern Easy Riders. Um, it was fun. It was a good experience. Kind of learned InDesign a little bit, but, um, it was definitely like a project that we worked on together. It was like kind of a passion project. So when we broke up, it was, didn't really make sense to keep it. So, yeah. So you just, it just died when the relationship ended. Well, it, uh, yeah, it would have been, um, it would have been difficult to keep it because we both felt like it was like ours and it would have been hard to work together. So we just didn't. That's, that's another thing you see a lot more in stand-up comedy now than you used to comedians. When I was coming up, we used to think you have to just be a comedian and, and you just got to focus on a hundred percent. You can't have a backup plan. And now you see comedians constantly having their own business, you know, it it can, and that it can be a creative business that can run along with it. Did, did it ever happen where you were starting this magazine and you thought this is taking too much time? I don't have time to work on being a comedian. Well, I also, I felt like it was taking away from 
my comedy podcast, I felt like, okay, I could be spending this time on my, like, I'm, I'm, I always put my stage time first and it never took away from that, but I did feel like, like my comedy podcast, it took time away from, and I was like, I could be putting that time into growing that and like, kind of like all the motorcycle stuff. I felt like I could be putting that energy towards comedy. So I guess, yeah, it was a balance. Right. Yeah, because you, you, I, I hear that a lot from people. They're like, "You're doing, too, you're doing so many things. You can't do that many things, and it's it's hard to know how much you can juggle until you try to juggle it, and then you right. go, oh, okay, that that's too much. I can't do that and still be a comedian.' So, um, oh, how cute is my dog? I mean, I was gonna say, yeah, you, you gotta get, you gotta get my dog's snoring right on the other side of the microphone. I don't know if you can hear him. My wife makes me. Uh, move the dog when she's doing her zoom calls and bring them in here. Uh, so, um, if let's see here. So if you had to give somebody advice, I guess it could be an, it doesn't have to be a comedian. Um, of what, what the what the day looks like maybe that's a good way to go about it what like what's mean? what's your day look like does it have a social media schedule to it and that you stick by that or is, is it, it just it comes up when it comes up social media yeah do you just post stuff like every day at nine thirty? i post something and then again at one and then again at three or are you like i just do it when i feel like it well, it's interesting. I, so I run social media accounts for other comedians too. Ah, so so I felt like running classy trashy, that magazine that I had, I learned a lot. And also growing my own account. I, over the pandemic, I learned a lot about social media. I feel like pretty competent in it. So I, um, work for some other comics and do their social media. And I also do like video captioning and stuff. So it's, I do different things for different people. And for myself, like for myself, I kind of just like post, like if I have content that I like, or if I have a picture I like or something like that, or I'm like, I, sh I try to post regularly on TikTok, on Instagram every few days, but then there are people I work for that like want to post every day or want to post. So it's just when want it like in the morning or something like that. So it kind of depends on the person. Mm-hmm. For me, I've, it's always felt like a um, a gut thing. You have to learn when your followers are reactive, I guess. But consistency is kind of just the most important thing. Consistency, yeah. I figured that. And that's pretty cool. You, that's another thing you hear people doing now is like um, making money at what they're good at doing for themselves. Like um, not necessarily like my wife will say to me, you know, you, you why are you telling all these comedians what microphones they need and how to put together what mixer they need and how to record this and where to post that? You should charge people to do that. And I'm like, oh, that takes too much time. It's like I always think it's just going to take away from everything. So, I mean, maybe you have a number that you go, I, I, I couldn't do 10 comedian social media, but um can you say what have you noticed a change since you took on these comedians and you worked on their social media or is it a lot easier yeah. to build your own? No, I mean, I You think you could fix anybody's social media and make them do better? Yes. Really? Yeah. 
You could literally take my social media and make me better at it. Because I find when you hire somebody else, it starts to get their personality. I had a guy doing mine once. I was like, dude, I would never say that. I would well, never. What, what are you doing? Hmm? What was he doing? Like, what What were the things he was doing? He would like, for instance, like he took like my headshot and he put all the he put all these scribbles on the on the sunglasses I was wearing. And he like made me look like because he was this like this guy, like if you ever went to his apartment or his house, he looked like he was living in the Matrix. He'd, he'd wear these long black coats and he had his head shaved and he wore these like hipster glasses and i was like and his like wife was like a clothes designer and they used to have like sex parties together and put them on the internet and i go that's you i'm like nerdy joe over here with a wife and two kids that doesn't work for me you know like you gotta you gotta fit my persona you gotta watch my comedy and see what i'm all about so um, it's like hiring it's like hiring a writer like they for for stand-up right like they have to know your voice mm-hmm but also I think part of social, like, you know, hiring someone for social media would also be like directing your content and telling you like, uh, it has to be someone that really understands like the format of the content that to put out there, like mm -hmm. what the captions need to look like, what shape the photos and videos need to be in that captions the eye more like, mm -hmm. but should be reels or IGTV or like, you, you know stuff like that like the intricacies of that it's not just like making a po you know what i'm saying like it's sure i don't know so um what, what do you i'm curious because i do a lot of this stuff on my own what do you use for captioning are you allowed to give that away yeah i know a lot of people use premiere and i use this app called video leap and uh, it's it's not ideal my computer's too old for premiere for some reason and i sh i should figure it out but i just use this app on my phone so Premiere can literally do captioning on it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to write every word out. It just it can it can listen to the audio and uh, transcribe it. I'm not sure what what yeah. uh, what it does, but uh, I just yeah I, I I've never used it. I just know that I should. And you think transcribing is is key? You think they you need must transcribe the video if you're stand up videos. There's no point in putting it up if you're not really. Like I've had videos get over a million views on TikTok with no transcription on it. And now I let it do, you know, TikTok has that ability. Yeah, videos can... or, or regular videos. But are they stand up or are they you talk? Yeah, they're stand up. I mean, that's great, but they'll probably get double that if you put the captions. Right. What do you think about the, the embedded Tick, this is funny. We're getting really specific. The embedded TikTok can transcribe you. You can, and it just writes them small at the bottom. It don't even waste your time with that. You got to literally do them yourself. Well, I think for like videos where you're just like selfie videos, that's fine. But I think there's something about the captioning that makes it look professional, that makes mm -hmm. people see it and they go, oh, this guy's legit. I'm going to watch this. Right. It looks like you want it to look like identical to like a Comedy Central one. So they they don't know the difference. And they're like, oh, this looks legit. I'll watch it. Right. It's it's not instead of like something that's done with the TikTok thing. They're just like, oh, this is probably just like a random dude. You know what I mean? You're kind of right. like it's a bit, it's about the way you present yourself. It's like clothing to people. Yeah, I get it. You sound exactly like the guy I hired that did a shitty job. But that doesn't <gasps> mean you wouldn't do a good job. I'm saying he was wrong for me. It sounds like, well, at least you're a comedian. He wasn't a comedian. I'm just, you know, um, 
And I'm sure comedians. The guy I hired that did a shitty job. (gasps) No, no, no. I'm saying he said that, but for some reason, I trust your ability more than him. Like now that I look back in time, I go, of course he's not, he wasn't right for you. This guy doesn't even understand comedy. Really. He's not in that world at all. Like everything I had to teach him was like brand new. Well, I feel like you need to, you, it's like, were you showing him the references of the things that you wanted? Were you showing him the accounts that you want your account to look like? Well, he's, I think one of the problems and it's probably with me is I don't know. I, it's like, I know my identity, but I can easily be, convinced to try something like different so like he was trying to he wanted me to dress differently on stage like he was making me over completely that's crazy you're how do you say you're 54 yeah isn't that no this is it's it's too late (laughs) to wear different clothes on stage it's crazy it's not queer eye this is crazy exactly so that's why the relationship didn't last long it didn't start that way he started easing into it he's like he wanted to create a clothing line that i was wearing that we were selling on the side and then i started to realize is this because his wife's a clothes designer is he trying to make her find him he got me one of this is weird he hired me to do the most the highest paid corporate gig i've ever done in my comedy career how much was that? you can't want to know i got fifteen thousand dollars to go to cabo san lucas and host a uh, an event for a, a um, um, this place called Holman Enterprises. They own like forty car dealerships. Nice. So it was like an amazing gig and in an amazing place. Wow. Yeah. Like all right, I trust him a little bit. So that's why. And then all of a sudden, he resurfaced, and uh, I realized. Uh, Okay, let's give him a try. You know, and he did it. He didn't charge me. He goes, "I'll just do it for you for a little while, and if you oh, like that's it." That's bad. That's bad if they don't yeah. charge you. Yeah. you're right. Why would someone work for free unless that's something's crazy. going wrong? They're crazy, <laughs> right? If so, if someone wouldn't charge you, yeah. or they're that desperate that they wouldn't charge you? No, no. Yeah, yeah. I think something was going wrong. I think something. I think you're right. But yeah, it always takes me a few months to realize I'm in a bad relationship and then I get out of it. And somehow I've been married to the same great woman for 16 years. But other than that, I pick bad partners very often. Bad ma- well, I've had five different comedy managers. Life, so. What? I've had five different comedy managers. They all sucked for different reasons. Okay. Uh, well, what did you say about my wife? Well, that's the most important relationship. So at least you have... You know. Yes. Yes. And I, I didn't get married till I was 40. So I did all the bad relationships up till then. And then she stood out and what's the secret to a long lasting uh, relationship? I think I've heard Chris Rock talk about this. Both people have to be really willing to work really hard. Like if one person's like one of those people that's kind of flaky where they want to break up after one fight, it's like, it's not going to work. Okay. Like we both, like we go to therapy, not together. You know, I don't go to therapy anymore, but like we're both people like where you said you're really competitive with your career. That's how I am in, in, in this marriage. I'm very competitive. Like if it starts to like go wrong for like a day, I'm like, I got to fucking, I can't let this go. Like, this is a, this is my marriage. I'm a dad. I got to, and I work really hard at it. And so does she. So I think that's the key. So, you get some lazy like 
there's a if you meet somebody that's been divorced four times, there's a good chance they're lazy and they're not working hard and they're not you know you meet these people they're like I'm not changing I am I am who I am like you gotta you don't have to change you just but you have to be willing to work Mm. yeah does that make sense yeah yeah and there has to be like a cosmic connection too like definitely have that way more like I knew right away when I met her oh like even just talking to her on the phone because I didn't even meet her in person until I spoke with How her. How did you like, meet? We got set up. Believe oh. it or not, she had seen me do comedy, oh. so I had that little advantage. But I didn't meet her the night of the show. I met her like weeks after that. That's I had this conversation before, but I feel like men always get to like they always date people that have seen their comedy. It never happens the other way. Or like. I've never hooked up with an audience member ever. Really? Ever. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You don't hear girl comedians really. They'll date other comedians more than they're, they're never like their boyfriend's them. never like an audience member ever. Yeah. It w- I'm I'm very glad that I didn't like hook up with her the night that she saw me. Why? Cuz I've just I've done that a million times. It's just it was so much better this way like Oh. I was set up with her um and and I was set up with her for a reason. It wasn't like it was just a wild guess. Right. And it was my cousin who set me up with her and I trusted his opinion and he Aww. ended up being right, which is crazy. Aww. Yeah. So um so we 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 can wrap it all up. I just uh how much do you charge to uh to do someone's social media? I might hire you. Um Depends. I was gonna say you probably charge. You're yeah. You're like me. I charge different amounts for different people at at different. It just depends on the amount of time, I guess. Mm-hmm. The amount of work. Maybe you could take a look at my social media and and give me a little, and we'll have like a quick talk. Quick that should be what off. the podcast is. You look at my you look at my social media and then you tell me what's wrong with it. So funny because my podcast, um, it's called Help. And it's me asking for advice. So it's funny get doing switching. Yeah, it's well, I did a podcast for four or five years called Fixing Joe. So it's Fixing Joe. I'm trying not to do that with you right now, but I'm I just lean towards that. I always like try to get advice. I think it's I mean it's better that way. Like it's that's a better way to go about life. No, I, I found that it was not making me I stopped doing the podcast, even though it was pretty popular because it was ruining my life because I realized I'm letting everybody tell me what to do. I need to be able to tell myself what to do. I can't ask everybody what I need to do all the time. That's just such a weak stance, mm. you know, so it's funny, what, actually, uh, I had Ian finance on last week and his advice because I started the podcast everyone's saying their advice like their best advice they ever received and his advice was don't listen to anyone <laughs> right i know that uh that guy i love this guy gary vanderchuk gary v on the internet he's like a big motivational guy and he always says that you shouldn't listen to positive feedback or negative feedback you should just know what you want to do and do it and that's it it's so hard like i i i try not to look at things online but it's hard 
Yeah. Sometimes you're like, I'll just take a look. And then it's like, once you, <laughs> once you see it, you can't stop reading it. And you're just like, well, if you were able to not look, you would not want to be a stand-up comedian for a living. It's part of being a comedian. You need that. You need that thing back. So that's why it's hard. Like people give me shit. Why are you even looking at it? Why do you even care? I'm like, that's what I, that's why I'm good at what I do because I, how can you not care if someone just fucking tells you you suck and you're ugly and all the, how can you not? It's really hard to just go, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. But whatever. All right. Well, um, take a look at my social media and tell me, uh, what you think needs to change. And then, uh, maybe you can give me a little, a uh, little price and we'll see if we can do it. Okay. Sounds good. And uh, what do you want to plug here at the end? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Natalie Pomo underscore. Listen to my podcast, help with Natalie, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Natalie Cuomo. And what do you usually need help with? You sound like everything's fine. Um, Where are your struggles? Do you want a little help at the end here? Can I give you help on anything? You gave me some help. <clears throat> well... It's not necessarily at like, for example, this week, I'm going to tomorrow, I'm going to do an episode about coffee. So it's, it's like, you know, just like questions about coffee, how to make the best cup of coffee. It's not necessarily like I'm struggling. Uh, it's coffee. not about your life that you need help with. Sometimes something will come up. Like I, like if something comes up in my life, I'll talk about it, but it's more like, and then I had like a fitness episode or like, it's more like subjects. Okay. I got you. Yeah. So you need help with coffee. <laughs> Well, no, but you know what I mean? It's like, I like, I like have like ex experts on and they'll like talk about stuff. Right. You have a coffee expert coming on? Yes. I love it. All right. <laughs> and uh, where can they get your podcast? Anywhere you listen to podcasts? What's your anywhere website? Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Pod, iTunes, YouTube. Um, You know, subscribe, rate, review. Love that. All right. Well, thank you, Natalie. I appreciate you doing my podcast. And uh, I'm going to make you uh, do some posts to promote it. Hopefully you'll do that for me. Of course. Anytime. All right. See you, Natalie. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you liked that interview. That was Natalie Cuomo. Go look her up. I will be, uh, maybe I'll hire her to do some social media work for me. Let's see what she does. Even if she just uh, transcribes my videos, that would be great because that shit's a pain in the ass. I've tried so many different software things. That's why I was asking her what she uses because I was like, man, maybe she's got something better than what I use. So I hope you like that podcast. Keep listening to them. Keep calling in 951-298-9899. If you want to see me live, I'll be doing my Remember When show. November 6th, the Emelyn Theater three-piece band behind me and it's just a straight one-man show this time it's got a little drama in it got a little drama in it it's got the uh it's got the nostalgia of the 80s but it's more about my life in the 80s with a little bit of nostalgia mixed in you're gonna like it you're gonna like it so come on out just go to joematteris.com if you want to get tickets to that the emelin theater in mamaronic new york November 6th. It's a Saturday night. All right. Love to see you there. Keep listening to the podcast and uh, go follow Natalie. All right. Take it easy, guys. See you.